Shalom. Welcome to another episode of Inspiration from Zion. I'm Jonathan Feldstein, and I have the privilege of being your host, coming to you from the Judean mountains here in Israel. I like to refer to it as the original Bible Belt. Inspiration from Zion is a program of the Genesis 123 Foundation, whose mission is to build bridges between Jews and Christians and Christians with Israel in ways that are new, unique, and meaningful. I pray that you will find this, all of those. Through this program, we're excited to connect you to people in and stories relating to Israel to give you a window to look through, experiencing aspects of life here that you might not otherwise know about. We want this to be interactive, so please be in touch with us at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com and send along any questions and any comments about any topic, anytime. Or you can reach us at genesis123.co or follow and like Inspiration from Zion on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Stay tuned until the end of the program where we're going to share some exciting opportunities for you. And please feel free to share this with others who you know will also find it of interest. There's so much on my mind as we begin to record this newest episode of Inspiration from Zion. It's very personal and and both right now as I'm speaking and as I've been preparing, trying to prepare mentally for, for this conversation, I've been getting very emotional and choked up. As many of you know, Israel celebrated a few weeks ago, celebrated, we observed Memorial Day. It's the day on which we, we memorize and commemorate the death of some 24,000 Israelis who, uh, who died in war and another 4,000 victims of terror over the years. However, this year, this week is the 40th anniversary of what we, was called now the first Lebanon War in 1982. And for all Israelis, there's probably not a day in the, in the calendar year that somebody's not grieving and remembering, lo- remembering loss from some w- act of war or some act of terror over the, over the course of our 74 years of history. Now, this is much more personal because in the summer of 1982, while Israel was in the midst of the beginning of this first Lebanon war, I arrived in Israel about three weeks later, and I was placed on Kibbutz HaOgan. A kibbutz, a communal, uh, communal um, uh, community that's redundant, I know, um, in the center of Israel near Netanya. And I spent my first three weeks on Kibbutz HaOgan, which honestly, looking back on the last 40 years, still remains one of the best summers of my life. I was assigned an adoptive family, and... I lived with the teens because that's in the day, a kibbutz, often you had children living together as the kids and the families living in smaller apartments. Um, I lived with, with, with the teens, but my family time was with the Gutermans. And honestly, when I arrived, if nobody had told me, I don't think I would have known that they were grieving the loss of their son and brother, Raz, who was killed on the first day of that war in 1982. So this year, this week, they are commemorating, they are mourning the 40th anniversary of Raz's death. Now, of course, part of the reason that I was ignorant to the fact that they were grieving was because I was honestly a naive American teenager. But also, to their credit, I felt all I felt from them was warmth, was love, was welcoming. And I remember vividly 
a picture of Raz displayed prominently in the home. But really, again, if nobody had told me, I would have not assumed that anything horrible had taken place just three weeks earlier. It's a credit to our guests today. They embraced me. I knew of Yaakov's anti-war protest in what was called Shalom Akshav that summer as, as uh, deaths in the war mounted. Raz's father was going to these on a regular basis that were taking place. And that was also part of the national story that summer. All summer, while traveling after I left Kibbutz Ogen, our guide, our uh, tour guide, Eli Sheva, would listen to the news and cry as reports of more and more soldiers being killed was taking place on what seemed like a daily basis. And to the extent that I understood, my heart was with my adoptive family back on Kibbutz Ogen, because I began to understand that beyond just being gracious, warm, loving hosts, and now friends, they were also suffering loss. This drew me closer to Israel and the Jewish people, but I was also aware of the suffering and loss that year of several hundred families, along with the thousands injured. So today, this very personal conversation is with Yaakov and Tal Guterman. Yaakov is Raz's father, and Tal is his brother. Tal is my age. We've shared birthday wishes uh, to one another for, for many of the past 40 years and been in touch and, and, and shared the growth of our own families. I, I think of them only in the in, most incredibly positive way as warm, loving, caring people that they are. And also each in his own right is a talented artist. Yaakov, you probably don't remember it, but the very I remember coming and visiting you in the sometime in 1986, I had just come from a visit to Tzfat and you said, wait a minute. And you took out a paper and you made me a stunning watercolor painting of a Jewish man sitting in, in Tzfat with, with nothing. And in, in half an hour, I had this beautiful piece of art, which I've cherished since. Tal, you're a, you, you as well. And, and your career has taken a more um, technical approach to art as a graphic artist. And, you know, I wish, well... I wish we were still in touch as we are over the over the 40 years, but I wish we weren't having this conversation today as we as we near the anniversary of Raz's death. Um, first of all, first and foremost, thank you for for joining us. I'm sure after 40 years, maybe the pain dissipates and you'll talk about that. But at the same time, you're still suffering loss. Can you can we start off? I've I've spoken a lot, but I think first and foremost. I would love to hear from each of you, because I never met Roz. Talk about him. Talk about the young man that he was. You ask Tal or me? I ask you both. But you're the father, so you get to go first. Uh, To try to describe uh, Roz before people whom I don't know and he didn't know, it's one of the most difficult things in my life. I feel very embarrassed. I can sit hours with his friends from the army, from his high school, and I hear the sound of his uh, shoes, kapkapim. The flip-flops. And the, 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 the shape of his smile and uh, his jokes. 
And but you know, every human being in the universe is a very, very, very unique creation with his own soul and feelings and and the point of view of, of the world. And it's I I think it's ridiculous to try to describe you know uh, always in the Yomazikaron when I hear uh, parents who tried with with all their heart to describe they uh, they killed son uh, I I have a lot a lot of pity of them because I know that it's mission impossible. And again and again, I hear how nice he was and how he was smiling and how his friends loved him very much. I believe that everything is true. But uh, for me, it's uh, not ridiculous. It's tragic. It's tragic to describe a living person of 20, 21 years old who had his own dreams, who has his own dreams, uh, his own uh, plans for, for, for continuing his life. And to, one thing I can say that Raz in every age, he was a lovely, lovely, lovely boy outside and inside. And uh, when he was small, I couldn't uh, walk in the street of Hedera. I was living in Hedera before because everybody, he was so, <laughs> he was, he was so beautiful, so charming, so magnetizing. And um, till his end in, in the age of 21, uh, I'm sorry, I will not try even to no, this day. I- Wonderful person. I, you know what? I, I'm glad you answered. I'm glad I asked the question, and I'm glad you answered the way you did because you've just expressed to people who have no clue what it's like to suffer loss like you have, much less specifically here in Israel under those circumstances. You're right. It's it's very hard, and 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 it's almost double the period of time since his death than he than he was alive. Um, but tell me something, Yaakov. I'm, I'm curious. You must have had this conversation with him as a as a teenager before he went into the army. Raz was, as I remember correctly, in in Golani, and he was killed on the first day of the war. Did he did he actively choose to go into that combat unit, or was he just drafted into Golani because he was he fit the profile? He was a kind of a boy who was not born with a big knife among his teeth, like in the, in the American westerns. <laughs> he wasn't a Rambo. He, he was very, very far of uh, dreaming to be a Rambo, very far from it. He was not a kind of a killer. He was a peaceful boy. And the, the purpose that he wanted to go to such a, a, a commando dangerous unit was just because, because two things. One thing, 
uh, he was thinking about himself that he has high abilities. And I agreed with him. He was a boy with high abilities, physical, spiritual. This is one thing. And the second thing, he wanted to, 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 to donate a part of his abilities to the country that he's loving. Yeah. And the third thing is, it was very, very important for him to be among good friends. He, he was convinced that going to Sayeret Golani, for example, it will be that he will serve a meaningful service right. among boys that he will like. And he was right. And yeah. And I, I will not tell you that I was very, very happy that he tries to reach such a dangerous unit. I uh, speak with the hand on my heart. I wouldn't be unhappy when, when he will be sent to a unit less dangerous, less, um, you know. Less active. Well, less dangerous, no. And, I, and, and the, I, the, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be unhappy at all, but he he wanted to contribute from his uh, sure. high ability, in his opinion. Secondly, he wanted to be he wanted to be among uh, good boys. Right. Well, I, I understand that now with my oldest son having finished his service as a paratrooper. So I understand the, the both, both perspectives and I understand the perspective as a father, um, as you a know, father also fearing for his son's safety. Jonathan, I want to tell you something. A few months before Raz was killed, a very well-known newspaper in Israel, Ma'ariv, uh, before the the, the uh, holiday of uh, Sukkot, gathered in Tel Aviv, gathered in Tel Aviv, a few boys. Uh, I think four four soldiers from Sayeret Sanhanim, from the paratroopers uh, commando, and uh, Raz was. Uh, representing Sayeret Golani. Let me interrupt just a second. When you're using the word Sayeret, people who don't know what that means, that's the commando unit of these very high-level combat uh, divisions. Yes, yes. That's right. right. And, uh, of course, I was very interested to to read it. There are a few pages, you know, and it's such a big newspaper toward the, the, the holiday. And the the paratroopers um, expressed themselves in such a very patriotic way that uh, when they are called to all kinds of um, combat actions, they are unpatient to participate in. Everybody wanted very much. It's a dangerous uh, 
uh, action, it will be at night, it will be deep in the enemy's territory, and they feel very frustrated when some of them is not chosen for this action. And our Raz was sitting by side and uh, silent. And uh, the end of the talk, they asked Raz, you don't want to participate in the talk? So he said, you know, I hear my friends from the paratroopers, how they are frustrated when they are not chosen for the actions. And I want to say very honestly that I'm not completely not frustrated. <laughs> uh, the actions are very dangerous. And uh, I'm not running to the actions, but I can ensure you that if I be called to, to participate, I will do my duty one centimeter, not less, that these boys were talking about it. Wow. <laughs> I burst in tears. Yeah. I burst in tears. And I was very, very, very proud that Raz is my son. And I told him when he came for a holiday, uh, I, I told him, Raz, uh, I want you to know that I was very, very proud to, 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 to read what you say. Really, he was simple, very honest. He said, I'm afraid from these actions, but I know that we have to do it. Yeah. To I remember every word. I am afraid of these actions. But I know that we are supposed to do it. And I can you ensure you that I will do not less than these boys. But I don't like them. Right. He doesn't like the actions. I get it. I get it. Tal, you, you, I, I, again, I said in the introduction, I really had no sense of your loss that summer 40 years ago. Um, yeah. we, we just became good friends. I, I, Loved being with you, and 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 we came from very different backgrounds. Um, me being American then, and not not living here, and not understanding. What are the things? I, even if you want to answer like your father and say it's hard to put his life into just some simple words. What what do you, what he was your big brother? What do you remember about him? What do you want? What do you want others to know? about this great man? Um, okay, first of all, the background of this, I can say that we grew up in a kibbutz, in a common community uh, that's very different from other places in the world, in the country even. Uh, we grew up in the kinder, uh, kinder the kids' uh, home. Right. We never slept by our parents unless we had, we had a very high fever, very high. Sometimes with a low fever, we could stay with the kids. <laughs> so 
actually uh, we spend in the children's house most of the day and then four o'clock p.m we went to the parents and eight o'clock uh, even before eight seven thirty we've been back to the children's house and in between we spend with our parents and our families no more than 30 minutes so imagine or not when we grew up in the kibbutz i didn't see Raz a lot because in between when we supposed to be with our families we spend this time with mostly with our friends interesting outside it was a time where we didn't have tv of course no cellular phone and telephones at home nothing if we wanted to meet someone we had to run to his house knock on the door and said hey you want to play with me let's go yeah. to the to the grass um to the field so i, I thought about it a lot many times because i tried to think about us i tried to think about uh, common things we did common uh, things i remember and i can't remember much since we we didn't spend too much together that's a pity but that's how was the kibbutz then today the kibbutz is very different uh, but i remember a very happy guy uh, celebrating the life and enjoying every moment um, he loved to spend time with his friends going out going to the beach uh, sports he was a, a, an athlete he he ran in a group and he even uh, represent israel abroad in the europe gym, uh, um, competitions in europe and he loved that and he spent a lot of time doing that. And um, after he got killed, since uh, everyone knew he was a runner and he loved it, so they made a, a race on his name. It started in the kibbutz for many, many years. It was uh, based in the kibbutz and organized by the kibbutz. And after, I don't know how many years, maybe 20, I don't know, it went to the Moatzai Zorit. The regional, uh, the region, the region, yeah. The region. So they have someone in charge of sports and he gets salary and he gets people to help him. So it's much easier and it's more professional today, you know, with all the shirts and all the medals. And by then it was uh, very, very simple, you know, very modest. modest. But they, they do it very nice. And every year they do that. And they even call my father to give the medals. And it's nice. It's very, there are lots of people coming from all over the country. And it's something common, not only for us. There are many more soldiers that have race in the country, each in his own region. And, yeah. and um, what else about him? I think this is a, in a shortly. What I remember. But let me. So actually, I want to ask you a question. You uh, and I don't know the details of it, but you mentioned I didn't know that Raz was a runner, and I and obviously I never met him. But you also were very athletic, and when you did your military service, you were in Wingate, which is the big uh, um, sports training facility in Israel, also connected to the army. But you cor- correct me if I'm wrong. You weren't in combat. Was that because he had was killed, or was that by your choice? And how did that impact you? 
Okay, I was in very good shape when I joined the army. I ran also myself. I was an athlete, not as good as Raz was. But I was running a lot, like I will say, I'm, I'm not sure if the Americans will understand this, but it's 70 kilometers a week. I know in America it's miles, so mm -hmm. they can they can do the calculation, but it's a lot. And uh, I came to the to the army in a very good shape, physical shape. And but if the family lo lose someone, you have the parents. You need the parents to sign if you want to be a combat, because it's a it's a risk, you know. Right. And, uh, and we have uh, cases, many cases that uh, people that families lost more than one child in the war. Sure. So when I saw my father in the situation. Uh, after the war started and after us killed, I couldn't even think about asking him to sign me this paper. And I'm very, very thankful to you, my dear son. And I, and I think it's the first time in my life I'm telling I'm him that. I'm very, very, very thankful you. So well, I, I, I uh, went to a few people that did army and I talked to them and I asked them what option, other options I have that can fit my what what I love to do and what yes. I can do best. And I came with the sport instructor and uh, I went to the basic training. I did it in Kadumim, in Kadum. And uh, it was one month. And then I went to the course for uh, physical shape uh, for two months. And in the end, I went through a few bases. I went to the to the Shirion. Um, Thanks. Artil artillery. artillery. Yeah, and, and very uh, shortly after that, I came to the same unit Raz was, and I was instructing the soldiers there. And as my father mentioned bef before, the, the people there are great people and really best guys of the country. Really. Yeah. So, Thank you. Yaakov, you have something to add? No, I want just to add that uh, all our uh, youngsters in the family, uh, Raz, Tal, and also their sisters, Ranit and Michal, all the four, they were serving in the same unit, ah. like Raz in Sayeret Golani. That's Which is a very small unit. It's a very small unit. It's not a big one. Right. Let me let me take a break. I, I want to ask you something, but I want to just take a pause for a minute for for a, a, an announcement. If you're a parent like me, you know there are plenty of reasons to worry about our kids, but there's one particular issue with enormous consequences for our kids that many are uncomfortable discussing: online pornography. As kids spend more and more time online, they're being exposed to explicit sexual content at record rates. By age 13, many are exposed to graphic sexual content that has serious lasting consequences. Even though research links pornography exposure to worse mental health, unstable relationships, and other issues, the big tech companies are doing almost nothing to stop it. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Canopy, a new partner of ours that's helping parents take back control over what their kids see online. Canopy uses state-of-the-art artificial intelligence developed here in Israel to make the internet safe for our kids by blocking explicit material on every single website. You can learn more and subscribe with special rates at canopy.us. 
And when you use our special discount code, Genesis123 at checkout, you'll get 30 days free and 15% off your subscription forever. Your kids will thank you for life. Tal, you mentioned, it's funny, I think about it. It's funny to live in 2022 and think about 40 years ago, how the, you, I mean, we had TV growing up in America, but you didn't have TV, no telephone, no, certainly no cell phones. Now I'm thinking today, our kids go to the army. We're in touch with them on a daily basis. We're, we're last year, last year during the war that was taking place now, we, my son wasn't answering the phones because he was on the line with Gaza. And, and of course we were nervous. We didn't know what was going on, but Roz died on the first day of the war. Did you have, I'm curious, did you have any idea that the war was beginning? Did you have any idea that he was going in there on the, at, at that battle at the Beaufort Castle in, in Southern Lebanon? Did, did you know anything that was going on at the time? Already many years before, already many, many, many weeks before, I was deeply convinced that the government prepares a war against the Palestinians in Lebanon. And I was very, very frightened. And I was more than convinced that this will be kind of a unnecessary, nationalistic-minded war. It was not a threat of him, threat, Yum. Threat. 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 It was not a real threat for Israel. Israel, high-developed technologic country with a very strong army against small, poor units of the uh, PLO in Lebanon. And I was convinced that it's going to be a nationalistic-minded war, unnecessary. And you know, many nights before the war, as I was busy by writing, not my, my hand, but my, my brain, my head, and very emotional let I know I knew that Begin is an emotional person. Begin was and our prime minister at the time. Begin was the prime minister at that time. And I wanted to beg him to convince him, please, please don't start with this unnecessary world. Wow. And uh, many my friends I told them the my my thought my plan, and they say to me, Yaakov, let it, he is, uh, he is uh, emotional and he's sentimental, but such, your letter will not change anything. But still, till now, you know, it's work, it works. 40 years after, and I still, in small place of my soul, I'm very, very sorry that I didn't wrote this. I didn't write this letter. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I I don't think that will convince a letter of a stupid, uh, frightened uh, parent in in a kibbutz 
will convince the prime minister of Israel. But still, it gave me till now a quite a bad feeling. And every day, when every morning I was frightened. I opened the newspaper. Oh, they did this and this in Brussels in Paris. It's a, it's a good reason for to finish with the PLO. I say to my wife, listen, it, it, it's, it, it's coming. It's coming with big steps. And uh, so I was completely not, I was not surprised by this war. I, I saw the war every single day coming closer and closer, closer to us. It was terrible. It was terrible. And uh, Raz, uh, with his small unit, it was the end of the of his service already in the army service. They were sent to one wonderful week to the Arava, to the south of the country, to be with the instructors. So, uh, girls from the Hebrala Ganata Teva, I don't know how to the, translate. Um, Society for the Protection of Nature. They have a wonderful week, wonderful week. And uh, the last day, Friday night, Raz uh, hated uh, clothing and uh, especially uh, clothing of the army and with, with the carpets, uh, no carpets, um, socks, the heavy socks, wood. Yeah. I'm very similar to him in this. Uh, I, I hated the the the, the, the uniform. The uniform, and uh, he was sitting among his friends, half naked, toward the fire. Half of the body dancing with a glass of beer, and uh, suddenly came the telephone to. To his commander was watch a wonderful, wonderful boy from Kibbutz Beit Zera, Avikam Sher, wonderful boy. I wish every soldier in the world will have such a commander. Wow. Avikam Sher. And uh, they hear that um, uh, the war in Lebanon broke out. And they knew what uh, what is their duty because already a few weeks they were training as a degim, as a, a model, as a model in Kalat Namrud, a crusader's castle in Gol- yeah. Golan Hat. Yeah, in yeah. the castle. Yeah, sure, in sure. castle. They knew, and of course, they, they, they knew that it is a very, very hard and dangerous task, but they, they will try to do their best. Well, the, the training, let's, let's talk about why, because his task and the task of his unit was to take the Beaufort castle, also a crusader castle in southern Lebanon, which if I understand correctly, the PLO was using as a, as its base there. Yes, you are completely right. As usual, you're right. Well, now, did you know this at the time or you learned this after his death? Uh, I think I knew that training on I, I I it's hard to to answer a definite right answer. I don't know if the, the, the information that I give you now uh, I knew then. Yeah I understand. 
I'm I'm not sure that uh, maybe I knew, maybe not. Okay. Okay. And and so he he was there, his unit. By the way, if he's in the southern Israel, in those days, it must have taken four to five hours just to get up to the Lebanese border, no? Much more. Even more. Even more, yes. Without eating, without drinking, and they had to, to you know, to, to take their uh, weapon and, yeah. and the yeah. ammunition and everything. And uh, they went uh, quite uh, quickly, but uh, Raj uh, had the additional purpose. He took from Kibbutz Mabarot, from his friends, few kayaks that they would be able to, to use it in Eilat. So he had to give back the kayaks. Wow. So he stopped here. I, I was not at home. I didn't see him. I didn't see him at all but because uh, I went with uh, Tali's sister, Michal, uh, to a tour that the kibbutz organized somewhere. And Raz uh, took a piece of paper. He wrote, probably, I will be here for Friday. Wow. Raz. And <laughs> this was the last uh, connection. With uh, with uh, with Raj. So you also had no idea that the war had begun. You he, no, you. no, you, you, you were. No, and I was very unquiet. In the, the evening I went out from the house and I said to Annie, "I will take my uh, army uniform and uh, go to the north to look uh, for Raj." But uh, I didn't do it. Raz gave back the the, the kayaks and followed his friends, uh, very tired, very exhausted after a long way from Eilat. They were sleeping uh, by the um, fence of kibbutz, uh, of a kibbutz on the the border, on the northern border of Israel. And... uh, and they uh, continued their way to Lebanon. The, the plan that the, the, the army prepared was that they will uh, they will be followed by tanks, and they, the, the tanks will go with them. They will lerakech, uh, and they will uh, softness, soft the, the soften, soften the target, soften the way. Yes. And they, they, there will be also preparations from air. The, 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 the before castle right. will be bombed by, by, by airplanes, by. It was a disaster. The tanks refused to, it, it happened something to one of the tanks and, and the others, they refused to go with the, with the, with the, with the unit. And it was unfortunately a bright light, a bright night. The, 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 the moon was very big, full moon. From, from this night, I, 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 I hate the moon. I, I cannot see it. Wow. Uh, and, uh, one very brave boy from kibbutz, no betzafon. Shel Shiladi. No, no, Shenafalaben. 
Endor from Kibbutz Endor took Raz. Raz, give me to be before you. Before Raz was running, three boys were running by themselves. Raz was with machine gun in the hand. And Raz pushed him and he didn't agree to not to be among the two first. And uh, after a while, uh, uh, there was a serial of uh, of shots, and uh, also uh, one of the Palestinians threw a grenade, and uh, Raz and his two friends were heavy, uh, very heavy wounded. Uh, after many weeks, the, the, his friends told uh, told us that Raz was begging for infusia, Infu- for help, not help, yeah, infusia. Okay, infusion. Um, uh, an IV. Okay. And uh, no, no medical help was. Uh, there were few, already few soldiers uh, hit on the way to to the, the castle, injured, yes. injured in the um, on the way to the castle. And the medics uh, were busy to 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 take care about them. And nobody's nobody was uh, on the top of the hill. And. Uh, and the fight was still going on. Yeah, and the fight was right. still going on. And it was a very serious battle, as I understand. Yes, very yes. serious battle because the the forty. I, we went there. The, the unit uh, invited us forty days after. Uh, it was very heavy, fortificated with big uh, walls of of concrete. Was forty days after? Forty days after. I was there also, by the yes, way. Yes, I, I wanted to ask you about that. I remember. I, I don't know why I remember that, because if it was forty days after, I was already gone from Haogen, and maybe even mm-hmm. I had left Israel by that time. But what was that like for you, as a family, to be there? Uh, to be there where your son was killed, but also to be there in a war that Yaakov you had a premonition was happening and was not going to be good anyway. I would not wish any father in the world, not a Palestinian, not a Polish, not a German, not an Eskimo, to stand in the trench where your boy was killed in 40 days after on the floor with small stones are two big flat Spot, spots, blood spots. I mean, blood. blood spots, almost black already after 40 days. Right, yes. Yeah. This is, uh, you know, when I was... Uh, Manifesting, taking part in many man- demonstrations, uh, forward making peace with the Palestinians, or to give back a Sinai Desert to 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 Egypt. Uh, I was always thinking, 
always thinking about the heavy price uh, that we are paying for the unstopping wars. We are fighting with the Palestinians over more than 100 years. And it's time to stopping the, the madness. Stopping the madness, you can not but more putting more force, more tanks, more F-15 or F-16. Stopping wars, you can just by sitting together in painful talks. If it will not be painful, it will not be true talks. And you will not reach a, 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 a real agreement without paying price from this side and from this side and to stop it. The French and the Germans were murdering each other for generations. Yeah. From homeland, from motherland, from... Now they are sitting together in Paris, drinking the same beer <laughs> and talking who is better, Paris Saint-Germain or München Gladbach. <laughs> In football, and uh, it's a it's it's a it's a general madness of the mankind. What the beasts in the in the in the prairies and the in the in the forests are, are fighting against each other just for territory for 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 food, but not. Not just to kill the other, yes. other. It's it's a irreasonable madness. I hear you. And we have to stop it. Twenty years old boys have to go with their with their girlfriends to the sea and to enjoy their life and to go to the universities. I'm not a mystical person and I don't tell to myself alternative stories about, uh, you know, that you will come to the universe back. The life is the one beautiful present that you get in billions of years. And I cannot forgive old sick persons 70, 80 years old who sent 19 years old boys for the holy stones, for the holy wall, for the holy... I, I hear you. Building. I'm, 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 the holy, the one holy thing is, yes. is the human life. Human life. That you have to make at most that you can, that you are able to save the the, the life of the boys and the girls. Well, it's, if I can interrupt you for a second, these are conversations that I have with specifically with Christian friends, and and when I'm go, traveling and speaking in churches to try to explain little bits of life here, which is why having you 
joined me today is so important and I'm, and I'm really grateful. I hope the people are truly listening. Unfortunately, they don't see you, but I, I, I see the emotion, of course, that's coming with the words and, and it's audible, but you just represented something that is important, that is central in Judaism. It's saving life, the Kuach Nefesh. And, and every, all of the, all of the commandments that we have, except for three, I think, go by the wayside. We throw them away in order to save life. And, yeah. and, and it's a conflict that we struggle with on, uh, uh, from, from different political perspectives, from certainly, um, a human perspective. You unfortunately know from a perspective that I hope to never know from, um, uh, about the direct loss, but we feel that all of us as Israelis, we feel that. And, and it's a, it's a challenge and a balance and, and maybe for another conversation, at least in person over coffee, but, but maybe even to share with, with inspiration from Zion, what's, you, you, you've pictured the solution, but how do we get there? And how do we get there 40 years later? But I don't want to go that direction right now. I want to take just another quick break. And Tal, I want to come back and ask you about going to, to Beaufort. I want to pause in the conversation for just a moment to invite you to join us in one of the really incredible programs that we do as part of the Genesis 123 Foundation. This year, we have been going out all throughout the Judean mountains to show love to soldiers who are stationed keeping us safe from the threat of terrorism. It doesn't matter if we're in a burning heat wave or temperatures below freezing before the wind chill, they are out there guarding strategic points that have a high risk of terrorism. And thanks to the support of many people like you, we are pleased to bring them homemade hot soup in the cold of winter and cold drinks and sweet watermelon in the heat of summer. Any donation is meaningful and helps us to bless the soldiers. You can join us and donate at genesis123.co slash bless a soldier. That's genesis123 dot co slash bless a soldier. And when you do, you also have the opportunity to send along your own personal words of thanks and blessings to the soldiers guarding the land and protecting the people. Please join us. Okay, so uh, I'm not sure who was asking me that, but someone asked me if I want to join the the visit on the before, and it was, I didn't remember 40 days, but I remember it was short uh, period after the the fight and uh, I immediately said yes because it was very interesting for me to see that and uh, I remember I agreed ah, I agreed yes of course and then uh, I remember one bus with families or two buses I don't remember I remember one bus with families and then few buses of soldiers from the front and back because we went inside Lebanon and yeah, we are you're in a war zone. We are civilians and yeah. you know we're going deeper in Lebanon, so we were probably in a safer, safer place, but I wouldn't say very safe, okay? So we climb on that mountain and I remember something surrealistic. Um a place of war with all the tunnels, huh? the tunnels, the trenches, 
trenches, all the trenches and all the stands with the machine guns, the big machine guns and the rifles and the cans with food, still with food in it, open, wow. open, half empty and the newspapers and of course spots of blood and everything which became already gray or black because it's, it's dried and a lot of pieces of, uh, of bullets and uh, pieces of of all kind of um, fight materials, and it and they they showed us where we can walk and where not because some things they had to remove, but they didn't they didn't have the time to do that. So it was very surrealistic. You bring civilians to a place, it's a war. You just very quiet. You took the 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 soldiers from both sides outside, and it was a very very special. Um, things I've been to event event that I never been to before and after. I, I I hope this is the only time in my life. But I remember I walked in, of course, as my father mentioned before, we went to the place where Raz was killed, and I saw this the spots where he was uh, laid on the ground, and uh, the blood came out. And uh, it was very hard to see that and to see the family and to hear them crying. And uh, it, it wasn't. And of course, the, the soldiers that fight there not long ago and they were standing with the parents of with the lost and they telling the parents what happened, how happened. And, you know, that 19, 20 years old kids, what do they know? And and some of them probably with a, with a very hard... Um, um how do you call it feelings not on of course trauma. trauma they're all in trauma many of the the friends went to live abroad after in america a few wow. of them in america and in holland and in spain spain france many of them they because, co- they couldn't stand the the the, the tension in the in, in the yes. the sorrow in the in their family right well, the sorrow in the family and also there was something else that was happening that summer that, uh, you know, Yaakov, I'm not surprised. I didn't know this, that you had the feeling, the premonition that a war was coming. I've studied the history, but I didn't read the daily newspapers in the in the first half of 1982. Um, but it, for, for people who don't understand, which is not just that you that your people, even though I don't see often, you're close to me, you're a very big part of my life. And it's important to have this conversation. The, the people don't understand that then what was just called Lebanon War, and now we've had a second Lebanon War, and, and threats continued from Lebanon even to, till today, was, was essentially Israel's Vietnam. For people who, who understand American history, it was the, it was the war that, that, that divided the country the most, that, that there was, I, I don't know if, if it wasn't, uh, it was not the l- largest number of casualties. That was uh, Yom Kippur, I think, or, or after the after the the Independence War. But as you said, Yaakov, and people will disagree with you as to whether we should have or shouldn't have. That's not for the conversation. The point is that it was a di- it was the most divisive war, at least until that point. And 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 one can say, you know, when you Google First Lebanon War, you find that it was a war that Israel fought between. 1982 and 1985, but the reality is we were present until just now, May of 2000 and uh, 
of 20, uh, 2000, May, 22 years ago, is when Israel finally withdrew all the troops from Lebanon. And, and that remained for a full generation, people serving in Lebanon. This was the longest war in our history. It started in June the 6th, 82, and it, con- it continued for 18 long years. Right. And we lost in this war more than 1,200 young soldiers. Right, right. For nothing. Right. For nothing. It was not a defending war of the Israeli army. It was a bloody, stupid, unnecessary, nationalistic-minded war. Few weeks after after starting the war, I wrote a newspaper. I, I wrote a letter to the newspaper, uh, which was published by most of the papers in Israel and also many papers outside. I was so furious of the people who voted for this war, somebody were convinced that this is a very necessary war, and some of them, they were very afraid that if they will not raise their hands for starting the war, they will be accused of non-patriotic. Let me just interject. When you're talking about people voting... I want to show myself as a great patriot, so I will send the divisions of the young boys to to Lebanon. Well, just to just to interject, when you're talking about voting for the war, it was not a national election. You're talking about the people, the cabinet members, the people in the government. Yes, that's right. Of course, of course. You know, I I have such a I to call it. I think a, a bad sickness. Everybody has some small sickness. My sickness is that I see myself as a small, uh, small little part of the big, big, big history of the Jewish people. Always. I remember when Raz was born in the middle of the night, I was biking from the hospital to my house, and I was crying, crying, crying. You stupid Yaakov, why are you so crying? Because suddenly, suddenly, I don't know how, I'm not a psychologist. I was thinking about my old, very religious grandfather, Menachem Mendel Gutterman who belonged to a very famous Hasidic family in Radzimin. Of, uh, he was related to Yaakov Chaim Guterman, the great Tzaddik from Radzimin. And I was thinking about my father, Simcha Guterman, that few weeks before the end of the war in Warsaw, the end of the Holocaust, my mother begged him on her knees, Simcha, go, don't go to fight in the 
Polish uprising in 44. Think about your only child. No. They murdered my sisters. They murdered my brothers. They murdered my, murdered my parents and my people. I have to fight against them. He was very happy to get the rifle, a little bit ammunition, Polish flag on his hand, and he was killed in the very first day of the of the battle. So, yeah, when he was killed in the in the, in the Polish uprising, I was nine years old. So suddenly, biking on this uh, motorcycle, I was thinking about my. Grandfather, my mother, till now, the sickness is working here somewhere. <laughs> and I think about the Jewish history, and the Jewish history is fantastic, painful, full of blood. Yes. Full of inquisitions, and, and I don't have to teach you what, a, what the kind of history do we have. I'm thinking in a, such a globe. Like from from the view of a, of a bird that's looking on the on the ground, and it makes me furious that we are so stupid, sometimes criminal, but most of the time stupid. How we 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 don't succeed to finish? We have a bloody conflict with the Palestinians. That's right. Somebody took two small nations, gifted nations, put them together in a small piece of land, and we are unsuccessful to finish with it. We think that the wars and the actions and the combats and the special units will save, will, will solve the problem. They will not solve anything. They will just open new parts of graves in the military cemeteries. And uh, I, I always think about it. It's, it maybe it's pathetic. It's maybe it's naive, but I'm still dreaming. Maybe, maybe it will happen still in, in, in the time of my life that the two people will live together, you know, in the 1995 was founded, I will not be modest, I will say the most beautiful organization in the universe called the Parents Circle. Circle of the Israeli and Palestinian bereaved families for reconciliation and peace in 1995. And I know a lot of them, not tens, but hundreds of them. Wonderful people, full of pain like me. And we went hundreds of times to high schools to, to, they, they told the kids about their feeling, their pain, their tragedy. I did the same about my family and we we we, we didn't do indoctrination we just try to talk to them and to think together in a collective form what to do 
that the, on this piece of land, the life will be more beautiful in less yes. space. Yes. That's a, a topic for a conversation. Again, uh, of course, intimately personal. Uh, and, and it's, I, I said to you before we started recording, I'm embarrassed that I'm living here now 18 years and I haven't come to visit you. Uh, I'm going to fix that. And, um, but, but for this, or uh, I think you offer some great insight. And I remember not, not, I don't mean to put you on a pedestal, but uh, you're very much a philosopher. And, and I, and I'm glad you mentioned also your, your past and your father and your grandfather, because I neglected to mention at the outset that um, unfortunately your life, your suffering in your life did not begin uh, 40 years ago with Raza's death. You were born in Poland and, and lived at the, uh, as a young child during the Holocaust. Um, that's, that's for another, another conversation. And also, also very much part of, um, part of us before we, you know, we, this could and should be a conversation to go on for days. It's not, but I, I hope that it will. And Yaakov, so I don't forget you're so full of love and and a wonderful vision for for where we should be that i just pray that you will continue to have as many years in life with good health to realize to realize that vision um it's it's a special privilege to reconnect with you like this and i I look forward to doing so in person and being able to give you a hug as well i want to wrap up i'll give you the last word yakov but i want to ask tal something you lost your older brother. You're now sitting next to your father who's, who, who, who lost his son. And you're now a parent. We're, you and I are old men already. And we're, ra- and, and we're parenting, raising our children. Um, I remember something so vivid that summer. You took me into a bomb shelter where you, where you had set up your drums. And you were excited because now the bomb shelters were open and you could play there. It wasn't it, nothing. I know, Yaakov, nothing good. You said nothing good came out of the war. We shouldn't have done it. But I remember your, the excitement in your face that the bomb shelter was now not for a place you had to run, but a place that you could play, the place you could have drawn. And there was one that was opened up as the pub on, on the kibbutz, if I remember correctly. Looking ahead, okay, you and I, even if we're all, even though we're old, represent the future as, as, you, you not a grandchild, a grandparent yet, but me as a grandparent. What do you take from us? Forty years now, forty years after your brother was killed, what's what's our future here? Um, what makes me worry the most is that I think many, or maybe most of the people in Israel, believes there is no solution. And um, it means that we will keep on fighting for many, many, many more years. And this is this is make me very worried about the future of my own only kid. I have a daughter; she's eighty and a half now, eight and a half. And uh, of course, since she's a she's a girl, I guess it's less dangerous, even that. The girls have become more and more fighters in the army, right? We, we hear it every day that they can do yeah. a pilot, they can become a combat here and there. But still, uh, girls is in a less danger in the army. But, um, I, I worry, of course, because I don't, 
I don't see for the last few years any talks, almost no talks. They talk about the, the you know, the things that good for them and for us uh, on the, so it keeps us safer, right? But they, they don't really talk about solutions, the real solutions for a long time. And a piece, a piece of process. Um, so I worry, and I hope things will change in the future because both sides need to understand that uh, it doesn't work. You, you tried so many years, and you see that uh, the camera is, uh, we are losing the camera anyway. Uh, it doesn't work and we no one wants to lose his child and his uh, family member and uh, we want to live in peace we want to live actually and uh, we should do much more than we believe we can to change the situation that's what i think thank you yakov last word what do you, what what we're we're now 40 years since your son was killed in combat, defending the state, not defending the state. Your son died and he was wearing the uniform. What what do you want to share with people that you haven't shared already? What's significant now? What's personal or significant on a national basis? It's okay, it's okay. First of all, I will tell you what I'm thinking all my long years. The most important things, uh, the most important thing in my opinion is to be a mensch, a human being. A good person. Good person. A good person. A good person. And when I look around me in the country, in Europe, in America, there is so many things to fix. Relations between people, relations between nations. And uh, people are not, uh, in my opinion, not aware, uh, um, not aware uh, enough about the great danger of the, the, the most dangerous sickness of the mankind is nationalism. If I will think that I'm one centimeter better than the Palestinian or the German or the French or the Pole, I am lost. I am very sick. I am very sick. So nationalism, unfortunately, can spoil a lot in the human life, wherever it will appear. So it's a hard task. It's it's a it's a war without without an end. All your life, you have to be aware that this the sickness is standing after your door. And you have to fight against this. You, to save your soul and to save the life of other people is very, very, very important. I know that I am not 
one gram better than the Palestinians in my dream is to, to, to live with them in two states, two friendly independent states will cooperate in, I, I think I love this country. I like my people. I like, I love my culture. I'm a freak of, of Hebrew. Every morning when I see the small kids, the, the Scandinavian kids with the blonde hair going out from the kindergartens to the fields of Kibbutz Ogen, and they are talking Hebrew, 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 the same language of the Bible. Yes. You can call me naive, stupid old person, but I'm very, very excited. A phenomenon for such a old, ancient, beautiful language that you can write beautiful poetry and talking about sport and <laughs> sex and sex and everything in this language. This language was written Breshit bara Elohim et hashamayim v'taaretz v'haaretz aita tohu v'avohu v'ruach Adonai merachet In this language you can speak about sport. Yes. You can speak about the uh, NPA. Wonderful. We have to be less stupid to understand that there around us are other wonderful people, and you have you have to try hardly how to live with them together. And for me, such a terrible disasters like the war in Yugoslavia in the middle of the 20th century, or now the 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 the, the flood of black people from Africa who try to go to, 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 to find a piece of life in other countries. For me, this is a person, personal tragedy. I live it personal, as a personal tragedy. We have a lot to do, Jonathan. I and you, we have a lot to do. You, you inspire me and I'm, and I'm grateful. Uh, very, very grateful. Um, again, I would have loved to have this conversation as a reunion from the day you met this crazy 17-year-old kid who grew a beard at Kibbutz Ogen. I'm sorry we're having the conversation on the occasion of the anniversary of, of Raz's death, um, but I'm grateful. I'm grateful for, for you. Um, thank you both for making time. I know, I know you each expressed hesitation from a, from a, a, a language perspective, sharing your your thoughts, I think, Yaakov, uh, how you've done that. And for those, by the way, I have to point out, it's very emotional, very powerful what you just said on, on so many levels. But when you quote the beginning of Genesis in beautiful poetic Hebrew as you did, and then refer that to, which I feel also, seeing your, seeing children playing in the streets and talking about sports and uh, living our lives with the restoration here. Um, God willing, we'll be able to uh, to live in the future without the threat of more young men and women dying in in, in combat and and on the streets in in acts of terror. 
thank you for for really t- thanking for taking time to join me today and and for sharing your thoughts and about and about uh Raz. Thank you Jonathan and all the best to you. Thank, thank you. you. Let me let me just wrap up. I always conclude the programs and say if you've stayed with us this long you deserve a, a a reward or a treat and I think in many cases especially this one that the reward is just the conversation. However, beginning this year we we've decided to give out gifts every month. Uh we it's a special volume every month from Jonathan's bookshelf I call it. And all we ask is that people go to our social media, like us, follow us, comment and share the link to this program and one person will be selected at random uh to receive a special book and and haven't yet figured out which one I'm going to give away this month but but it will be something special um this conversation and all conversations are sponsored by our friends at the Willow Run Greenhouse in Culpeper Virginia i always say if you're in the area in Culpeper go pop in and say hi and thank you to them for helping make conversations like this possible and also thank you to the coin family as well for their meaningful sponsorship Inspiration from Zion and all the Genesis 123 Foundation programs are made possible by the donations. So please consider joining us to help continue the dialogue and build bridges between Jews and Christians. Um I take the pride of uh the prerogative of being the host and and dedicate this episode not just in memory of Raz Guterman, but in memory of all the soldiers who died in Lebanon. And pray that that, that their families were all are all at this stage as the, as we remember the beginning of the war that they that they will have some level of additional comfort this year 40 years later if you'd like to sponsor a future episode in honor or memory of a loved one please email us at inspirationfromzion@gmail.com and we always love to hear your comments as part of a dialogue and invite you to send any questions as well especially our any questions you have for our ask the rabbi programs please share this with others who will also find it of interest and join us right here as we continue to bring you more meaningful conversations about unique topics relating to Israel that you won't hear anywhere else wherever you are in the world i pray that you and your loved ones are all safe and healthy and send my blessings from right here in the judean mountains thank you and god bless you all thank you thank you hallelujah almashaya